Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 the views and opinions expressed by rob black and his guests are not necessarily those of kdow or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision insightful informative irreverent we're ready 1220 kdow presents rob black and your money your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now to talk a little bit about an upcoming event in Burlingame on July 13th, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great, how are you? I'm well, thanks for checking in. Um, so the big event is coming up on the 13th, it's Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning, and a bonus session. Um, it's from 11 to 1, and the bonus session will be 1.15-ish to about 2-ish, or until questions run out. Um, you can sign up for the July 13 event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. While you're there, you can use the code RADIO25 to get in for free um, for radio listeners only. Let's talk about the breakout session. You know I have never done one of these. We just mm-hmm. started doing lunch sessions, and we kind of like them. Um, let's talk about what, this, what the word self-employed is, because the event is for the breakout sessions for retirement tips for self-employed and contract professionals. How, what do you mean by self-employed? Well, first of all, self-employed, it's got to be earned income, right? There's, there's, there's the world of passive income, which tends to be from you know, your rental properties, where you, know, you get the, the, the check-in and you've got your net income, but that's passive income. So it's got to be earned income, and sometimes people have their own small business where they're earning income or they're doing contract work where they might be working for multiple companies at once or you know, six months at one company doing some programming and then they'll go to another company and they're self-employed, but they have a specific length of time that they do work for people. Or I've got clients that um, you know are on various boards. Sometimes they're on boards of several different companies, and they're getting paid, um, you know, via 1099. They get paid every quarter, every year, and and uh, they earn their income that way. So there's different ways that you can be self-employed, but specifically what I'm running into in the Bay Area a lot of is people that are you know single employers. They're just themselves or themselves and their spouse and maybe one or two employees and they're making a decent amount of money and they're trying to figure out, well, do I need to incorporate? This is Jim. Uh, He's a proud hotel owner. 
<laughs> do I need to incorporate? Do I need to? Uh, how much can I sock away pre-tax? Because I'm trying to save for retirement. How do I deal with things like the self-employment tax? Um, all of those different items that self-employed people run into. It's pretty interesting stuff because um, <clears throat> as much as it's great to be your own boss, it's not that great to be your own boss because there's a lot of tax issues and retirement issues that you have to figure out. Let's talk about why should contract employees be concerned about receiving a 1099 versus a W-2. Yeah, and you just you know just hit something on the head with being your own boss. A lot of people are working for somebody and they think, oh, I can do this better on my own. And what they end up doing is getting paid about the same after all their taxes, and they have two jobs. They're dealing with being the boss and the work that they're doing. A lot of people don't realize that if you want to become self-employed, you typically have to make about 30% more than what you're making now in order for it to be a wash. In other words, you have to make... That's crazy. If you're making $100,000... That upsets me to even hear. I know. Well, you've got... I mean, look, first of all, you have to understand how FICA works because when people are working for a company... Um, you pay half of FICA and the employer pays half of FICA. It's a total tax of about 15.3% of the first $127,000 that you make. So when you're working for somebody of that 15.3%, they pay half, you pay half. But when you're on your own, you pay the whole amount. So that's the first thing to understand is how FICA works. And you pay FICA up to your first $127,200 of net income that you make as a self-employed individual. And then you have benefits on top of that, like health care costs, disability insurance, sometimes life insurance, and 401k match. That as soon as you walk away, you give all of that up. And so you have to know when the trade-off is to say, okay, I'm going to give that up because I know I can make so much more on my own. Um, and a lot of people end up going to work on their own, Rob, and then they start doing contract work for other companies. And the other companies go, well, I think we'll, we'll do this. We're going to pay you, but we're going to put you on a W-2. And as soon as you get a W-2, yeah, you might pay less in FICA, but it pulls away and it reduces so much that you can do as a self-employed individual by things like individual 401K and defined benefit plans. So when you're a contract worker, you have to realize that, all right, W-2, that means I pay less FICA. But if I can negotiate a little bit higher wage, like you know, eight percent higher, and have them just pay me on a 1099, then the whole world gets opened up in terms of pre-tax savings. So the 1099 will make you pay more FICA, but it's like the golden ticket to defer more income pre-tax into various plans. Um, so a lot of times people need to make sure that they have a good certified financial planner and a CPA to help them run different models and help them negotiate what their terms are for these different contracts. So we're talking about an event that's coming up, or we're plugging an event that's coming up, and you're, t- you're hitting on it pretty heavy here, the Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning plus the bonus session. It's at the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel, July 13th from 11 to 1. Lunch will be served, talking about transitioning your portfolio, Social Security strategies, um, creating your own employee benefits when you're on your boss. It's going to be part of the breakout session. The breakout sessions to me, is going to be fun, because I've never heard you do that content, so it'll be all new to me. Um, but this is coming up on July 13th, and people can get in for free if they use the code RADIO25. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Sign up soon, in large part because July 4th is around the corner. Um, can I ask a, an off-topic question before we go back on topic? 
Sure. Uh, USA Today has an article in it today talking about Social Security and how you and I are going to get less than our parents because as they kick up the minimum retirement age, that gives you less years that you're able to defer. And every year that you got to defer, they gave you a bigger benefit, bigger benefit, bigger benefit. So there's going to be one less year of, quote, unquote, bigger benefit. Is that is anyone talking about that at this point in time? Well, I mean, first of all, our you know, we've got you know, a whole team of certified financial planner practitioners and typically if people are under the age of forty five, we don't even include social security in their retirement income analysis because if it's going to continue the way it is, it's gonna to have to be offset by higher taxes because it's just the math isn't there. Um, you know, Congress has to deal with fixing Social Security if it's going to be in place. The other, I think the bigger issue there, Rob, is that we're facing an era of, of very low inflation. Um, in fact, there's talk today in the markets of deflationary issues because of consumer debt. So our parents were able to get Social Security and have it go up by, you know, two and a half, three percent every year until the recent you know, decade, and then it's flatlined. So we're all, you know, paying into a system that is not going to return as much as a 401k or a Roth. Um, I just, it's, so I, I tend to agree with the article. I mean, retirement planning and saving for retirement is up to you. Don't count on the government. The Social Security was developed to keep people out of poverty, not to be, you know, 70% of retirement income. We only have one minute left, and we're plugging the event that's coming up on the 13th of July. People can listen to your show live Mondays and Tuesdays at 2 o'clock here on AM 1220 KDOW, but there's a big announcement tied towards that coming up. But um, anything else that you want to hit real quick in like 10 seconds on incorporating um, saving people taxes? Yeah, sometimes incorporating actually makes you have higher costs than taxes. Um, so you really have to be careful before you incorporate because it could screw up how much you are able to defer pre-tax if you don't do it the right way. Sounds good. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can listen to his shows Mondays and Tuesdays here at 2 o'clock on AM 1220 KDOW. There's a big announcement tied towards that coming up. Um, big event on July 13th. You can learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. It's 11 to 1 in Burlingame. It's a lunch event where lunch is served, and the fee is $25, except for that it gets waived if you use the code RADIO25. Um, go check out the information at newfocusfinancial.com. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Is a million dollars really enough to fund your retirement? A million bucks sounds like a lot of money, but is it really enough to purchase something as big as a, you know, you know, luxury retirement? That's a big question. What does retirement mean to you? Is it going to be luxury or not luxury? Is it supposed to be luxury? Um, I want my golden years to be golden, not to be bronze. Um, to be a millionaire has become shorthand really for really, really rich when I was growing up. If you're a millionaire, you were really, really rich. But now it doesn't buy as much as it did. 
Um, you can blame it on inflation, which is the force that causes the dollar to be worth a little less each year. You get the 4% rule that you have to beat inflation. You know, inflation is averaged about 3% in the U.S. That means a million dollars will buy you 3% less stuff on average each year that passes. You may be living on your retirement savings for 20 years, so you can't let that 3% kill you. you got to pull out uh, 4% minimum and aim for 7%. Now, again, this is very napkin kind of advice, not, you know... Uh, print document that you can go work off of. Since the Great Recession, which was the 2008 recession, people have changed their minds saying, don't pull up more than 3 or 3.5%. But you have to set your expectations, and you have to look at low-cost activities on a million dollars. So if you're taking no more than 3.5% from your retirement each year and you've saved a million dollars, you're getting an income roughly of $35,000 a year. Let's say you get Social Security of $2,000 a month. Um, it comes to another 24000 so you're at 59000 But that's before taxes. And that's before health care expenses. Um, so you got to get probably more than a million dollars, in my opinion. The European Union has slapped Google with a record $2.7 billion fine for breaching competition rules. That's worthy of note. Home prices grew just 5.5% in April, missing analyst expectations. Growth in the 10-city and 20-city composite of the S&P Core Logic Case-Shiller Index grew at 5.5%, down slightly from 5.6%. Seattle, Portland, and Dallas reported the highest year-over-year gain. I remember when that was San Francisco, New York, and L.A., now it's so much more the mid-sized cities um, because that's where you can get the growth. Let's bring in Tony Mendez from the Bay Area Loansource.com to talk a little bit more about real estate and the prices that we're seeing out there. Tony? Joining me now, Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loansource.com. One of the areas that I get frustrated with is I see a lot of the worst case scenarios. Uh, what are you seeing? What we really want to see is the the 10-year yields, which really control the uh, mortgage rates start working in the normal level, meaning markets do well, yields go up. Um, we've seen the opposite of it recently where markets have gone up, uh, but the global economies have kind of forced money into the bonds and treasuries keeping those yields lower. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how we get back to the normal levels and normal activity on the bond market. It's been a long time since we've been at normal. Yeah. So it's, I was a young man. Yeah. I feel it's been that kind of long. Uh, you had hair. Oh, I still have hair. More hair. Don't make people, don't make people think that I'm decrepit. <laughs> I'm getting there. Getting there. I'm just not there yet. So, um, it's interesting because you get actually action when prices move versus when they go sideways. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been kind of interesting to see that, uh, um, you know, where pe- why people are refinancing. That's, uh, you know, we, we all know about purchases. Everybody wants to buy a house, uh, and that activity is still very much present. Uh, the refinances, though, um, there's so many different reasons why somebody would refinance uh, and, and try to get these low interest rates. Um, I still think there's actually more people out there. They say there's about 25% of the people who own a property today should refinance. That's been a study that was done by Fannie Mae. Um, and there's billions and billions of dollars of, of um, lower payments or savings that could be uh, attained by simply refinancing. And um, 
we see people all the time. I, I talked to a person the other day, Rob, who I could have saved them $2,000 a month by doing a reverse mortgage. And that included not having a payment anymore of about $1,100. Uh, we had a car payment that was going to get paid. Uh, credit card debt was going to get paid. And then we were going to refinance a rental property and lower his payments on that. And it was about $2,100. And he decided not to do it because he didn't want his balance to go on his primary residence. Um, Yet the two thousand dollars a month would have made sense as far as his the, his income. So, so people, I don't know why people are a little that twenty five percent is a little hesitant and and at least checking out um, how to get these low interest rates. There's still a large amount of people. It's about eighteen percent, Rob, that uh, that do not finish a transaction when they started because they get frustrated with the transaction. That's still too many. Um, and they very well could have just gone to a different loan agent or a different lender and finished their transaction in a smoother and happier way and saved money. Interesting. So when people are thinking about buying a house now, are they getting – there's something in your industry that I don't understand. It's that approval letter that's not really an approval letter. What's that all about? Uh, it's called a conditional approval. Um, so – when you submit a loan, an underwriter looks at your loan and says, well, we, we approve your loan as long as you provide these conditions. Um, for somebody like you, those, the conditions are pretty easy. Uh, an a pay, what they call a paper loan, it's going to be income, assets, and miscellaneous. Income, W-2s, paycheck stubs, um, tax returns, assets, two months' worth of assets. Uh, when, you, when you start getting away from that, it gets a little bit more difficult. That's why they ask for these conditions. But we work through it pretty easily. I'm with you. You can find Tony Mendez. He just did a loan for me. You can find him at bayarealonesource.com. That's bayarealonesource.com. You can find me at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. <clears throat> NVIDIA is in the news today saying that they've made more relationships with car companies to build self-driving autonomous technology into them. Um, including an unusual joint venture with a Swedish automaker, Volvo, and one of its suppliers. It's going to become the standard technology inside all of self-driving cars in the future, a lot of people think. So uh, keep an eye on NVIDIA. And again, do we get to the point where we have self-driving cars that we actually enjoy, or are we going to get to the point where we just have more safety features that are self-driving kind of safety features? I think there's something to be said for that. Nike scheduled report earnings um today um and nike is important to pay attention to because the stock's been kind of getting beaten up on you know what competition's doing to them and it'll be okay you know to me if there's two people or three people play monopoly you kind of own the whole kind of world there on a lot of levels if it's just one then you do and the you know, justice part comes and shuts you down. If there's ten people playing Monopoly, it's no fun because you can't be dominant. Um, millennials eat up their savings by dining out too much. New studies says that uh, millennials eat out at least five times a week, and between Starbucks runs and bar tabs, it's harder to develop a savings plan. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Don't forget big event coming up in Burlingame on the 13th of July. You can get in free using the code Radio25. Sign up at robblackshow.com. Now you're saying that you need me, babe. Now you're saying that you need me, babe. Oh, now you're saying that you love me, love me, babe. 
you need me, saying that you need me. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com to discuss what's going on in the market. He writes a page one column daily that I start my day by kind of catching up on the news and seeing what's out there. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm uh, doing fine. Thank you. So we're about halfway through the year, uh, give or take a week or two on either side. Um, how do you feel about what we're doing? Well, it's been a it's been a great start to the year, uh, frankly. Um, you know, the S and P 500 just uh, the price index alone has uh, outpaced the uh, average annual return since 1929 of about 7.1 percent, and so we're sitting here up uh, close to nine percent right now. So, um, from an historical perspective, you can clearly say that it's been a, a, a good start to the year. And I think uh, you know uh, market participants continue to ride this this trend of um, low interest low interest rates and low inflation uh, for all it's worth. And uh, and I think until it sees something upsetting that dynamic, um, it will continue to to hang in there, so to speak. It's interesting that you bring that up because I was at the gym the other day and talking to a a man who was half dressed in the locker room and. Uh, I say, we talked about investing. He goes, oh, I don't invest. That's too much of a game. I'm like, have you looked at the last 10, 15 years? Like, it's not that bad where we are. Like, the word record highs were used not that long ago. Um, do you think the average people get it? Or do, they, do you think the average people still think it's a game out there that they can't win, that Wall Street somehow suckers them in and they, they, they get swindled? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good observation, Rob. I mean, I think there is certainly a, a you know, a large contingent out there that uh, that looks at Wall Street as being, um, you know, a game, a, a casino, somewhat manipulated by, uh, you know, insiders who have the knowledge and the um, trading capabilities that the average investor doesn't. And of course, knowing how um, how significant the declines there were, you know, back during the financial crisis and and following the the, the collapse of the dot com bubble, um, I think there is a lot of skepticism. You know, amongst retail investors, as it relates to looking at the stock market, um, but I would add that I think a lot of that skepticism could ultimately come from people who um, who aren't in the market. You know, frankly, maybe were never in the market and kind of you know have some remorse here that they haven't been able to capitalize on this uh, you know this tremendous run. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is that the S and P 500 today is about 55 percent higher. And the peak we saw in 2007 before the crash related to the financial crisis. So there's certainly some um, some value in that notion that uh, you know that the stock market is a great long-term wealth generator for those who have the ability and the fortitude not to sell uh, and can ride things out uh, when when they get a little bit rough. So, um, but I, I think we can see. Somewhat, in as far as the fading volume, um, somewhat that that the retail investor has not uh, checked back in fully, uh, like you might have expected, given this uh, tremendous run we've seen since 2009. So, like I said, I start my day every day with 
brushing up on your page one. It doesn't take terribly long. It's uh, probably about two pages when it's all typed out and looking pretty. One of the things you mentioned recently is the ECB president, Mario Draghi. And I think that's where we lose people, where we start talking about European central bankers. Uh, but Europe's doing pretty good, all things considered. And, you know, portfolios, people should probably look at diversifying, not all of it into Europe. But look beyond the United States at times and look beyond, you know, big name companies like Apple. They're great companies. Uh, but a little diversification is a good thing. How do you feel about the world right now as far as, uh, some of the policies you're seeing out there? And again, that's a huge question. I know you can't answer every <laughs> single country, but yeah. what's your feeling on, on, uh, overseas markets? Sure. Well, you know, I think you can objectively say that things are, are, are better, um, and they've been getting better. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, uh, quote unquote good. Um, you know, Europe is still plagued with a lot of structural issues that are going to continue to, you know, act as a headwind on, on growth rates there. Um, but nonetheless, um, I think what we're seeing unfold in Europe right now is, um, you know, is a statement of sorts that suggests that this, Monetary policy for 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 acute crises uh, is no longer uh, needed. Now, uh, you know, Mr. Draghi said today that he thinks that uh, you know you need to kind of still maintain that policy because inflation dynamics in the eurozone are a bit more muted than they expected. Um, however, I think it does. You know. Uh, uh, you can make this argument that it's, it's time for the ECB to, to start uh, you know, taking its foot off that uh, gas pedal as it relates to, to easy monetary policy. And you know, we're obviously seeing that unfold here in the United States with the Federal Reserve. Um, you know, the Bank of Japan, uh, you know, st- still, you know, angling to get inflation higher as well. But, you know, things are, things are, things are better. Um, but you're kind of stuck in a somewhat you know, low growth dynamic here because there are some deep seated structural issues that also uh, are tied in part to to demographic issues in both the eurozone and and Japan and China. So, um, so we might you know ultimately benefit here as equity investors from a a low growth, low inflation environment, which will keep you know real interest rates uh, relatively low for some time. What else are you working on? Because I know you do your big picture column, and you know it's during a holiday period, right around now, that a lot of people kind of check out. Um, if we were to get a little cheat sheet on what you're working on, what would you give us an insight into? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm still kind of cheating this week to find <laughs> to find some topics, knowing given exactly what you just said. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of leaning right now though toward. Um, Taking a closer look at that personal income and spending report for May that's going to be out on Friday, um, it's going to contain a, uh, a key inflation indicator that the Fed looks at, that being the PCE price index. Uh, and we've seen a deceleration in that uh, PCE price index as well as the core PCE price index, which excludes food and energy. Uh, and, and because of that, you've got a market right now uh, that is sensing that the Fed won't raise interest rates again, um, perhaps any more this year. Uh, but you pit that against a number of Fed officials uh, who are still talking about uh, the likelihood that interest rates will be raised again this year and are certainly chattering as if they have an inclination to raise interest rates again this year. And I think that could ultimately be, 
prove problematic. If, if, if inflation rates continue to stay low and you see disinflation or you certainly don't see rising inflation and yet you have the Federal Reserve still angling to tighten policy, uh, with equity valuations being stretched right now, that could create some disruption in the second half of the year. So going to be uh, taking a closer look at that particular economic report on Friday, which is also going to play into the second quarter GDP growth outlook. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com, it's a service I've used for, I hate saying this, but it feels like 20 years. It's at least 17, but it's starting to stretch. And uh, it's pretty cool because it really hasn't changed the format terribly much. It's just great financial content. One of the things you recently wrote about is uh, oil prices. And you also talked about Fed Chairman Janet Yellen. Uh, these are kind of like not backstories. They're, they're definitely front page stories. What are you seeing with oil prices and with Ms. Yellen? Right. Well, you know, right now, I mean, oil prices are certainly, um, you know, trying to emerge from a bear market move that was made last week uh, when prices dropped below $43 per barrel. And so you're starting to see somewhat of a rebound here that's kind of more or less uh, a part of positioning. I mean, sentiment got so negative on that, that decline that uh, you now have a bit of a contrarian trade that's helping to prop up oil prices right now. And they're also being bolstered by that weaker dollar, uh, which is uh, related in part to some of the emerging strength in the euro. Um, so, you know, oil prices are starting to uh, to bounce here. I'm not sure if it will be sustainable because there's no real fundamental driver for it because supply is still exceeding demand. Um, and then with respect to Ms. Yellen, she's speaking today in London about global economic issues, and the markets can be very attentive to what she says because it's ultimately going to play into its expectations about what the Fed will do with its monetary policy. So digging a little bit deeper because we've got about a minute left, uh, is there anything that you want to hit upon that you haven't hit upon that might be important for us to start thinking about? Well, uh, you know, we talked about some of what I do at briefing.com, and I think that the, the article I published to the big picture uh, on Friday is, uh, is going to be informative for retail investors. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about the market being uh, overvalued, um, and objectively you can, you can say that that's the case given, you know, that the S&P 500 trades at about a 25% premium to its 10-year historical average P.E., uh, but I think the larger point from that article, which is pertinent for retail investors, is that if you do have this buy and hold perspective and you have the opportunity to, to sit on stocks for you know years, if not decades, then that stretch valuation won't mean as much to you right now as it would to someone who uh, who has a, a closer need to, uh, to raise money by selling stocks. And so you need to be attentive to your risk tolerance and your timing needs right now uh, when looking at the stock market and contemplating that stretched valuation. Thanks very much. It's a story we've talked about for quite a while. The stretched valuations on the market. We need those earnings. We need those revenues to push us higher. Thanks very much. Have a good day. It's Patrick O'Hare. You can find him at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. It's good, solid content that covers a lot of stuff. And um, in my opinion, it's pretty readable. I know you're liking watching the baseball season. I know you're liking, you know, thinking about basketball. But Give money a little bit of of, of a push, and Briefing.com does a nice job of that. You can find out more about Briefing at Briefing.com. You can find out more about me at Rob Black's show. I always have seminars coming up. You can sign up for one right now at robblackshow.com. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free.
black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I have some Alameda County Fair tickets to give away. Family four-pack. Brought to you by the Alameda Alameda County Fair. I've got about three sets, so if you call if you call now, eight hundred five one six twelve twenty, you can claim your family four pack. Only three of this segment total. Uh, the fair runs day through July 9th. Get ready for the best summer ever. Alameda County Fair is back with the best Big O tires free concerts. You got Sugar Ray, you got Clint Black, you got Sheila E. You've got a Michael Jackson tribute, which to me sounds like a lot of fun. There's a demolition derby coming up. Um, all pretty cool stuff. There's horse racing. Um, so it's the best summer ever. Alameda County Fair back with the best 4th of July fireworks, world's greatest fair food. Eh, I, that's kind of like calling, you know, uh, McDonald's a restaurant, right? The greatest, I guess it's great fair food, but, uh, you get the idea. Um, <clears throat> you can, a lot of beer, a lot of good uh, craft pubs, and you can find out more by going to alamedacountyfair.com. It's alamedacountyfair.com, and it runs through July 9th. Uh, you can check out more information at kdrw.biz. It's kdrw.biz. And 800-516-1220 to get your family four-pack, which <clears throat> that's up to a $100 value. Somewhere between 50 and 100 depending on how many you know kids you have and start taking and such like that. So it's pretty cool. Um, let's talk other stuff on money and investing, shall we? Um, I found this kind of interesting. Millennials are doing something kind of not nice uh, with sex and money. Um, young lovers use money to control one another. A big survey came out. Two-thirds, 60% of millennials say that a romantic partner has used money to manipulate or gain power or control in a relationship. And, you know, millennials think money equals power and a romantic relationship is what that bottoms out to. 66% of rich millennials in a relationship agree with the statement, whoever earns the most money has the most influence. Now, with Generation Xers, which I'm one of, it's just 37% of boomers say 29%. The need to control or manipulate a romantic partner using money is often born out of high levels of anxiety. And millennials, many of whom struggle to establish their careers and find long-term romantic relationships for the first time due to uh, the big recession that we had, um, are prone to high anxiety. So anxiety levels are at 80-year highs. Millennials potentially have unhealthy relationships between money and sex, and it doesn't end there. Uh, the survey says that a romantic partner has lied to the other about money or hid money or debt from them. 60% of millennials have done that. And usually it's tied towards something that we're ashamed of. Food, clothing, handbags, golf, drugs. Um, which is pretty interesting. And keep in mind, millennials are eating out a lot more, so there's more things to be quote-unquote ashamed of. One um, of the reasons for using money to control a lover or lying to the lover, the consequences are pretty extreme. Uh, breaking up with a fairly controlling girlfriend or fairly controlling boyfriend, um, you know, it, it's got a lot of, of implications tied towards behavior. Um, a lot of people try to get others to do tons of work around the apartment just because, hey, I earn more than you, you should clean up. Um, it's pretty interesting, you know. If you fall in love with uh, a second grade teacher, you're probably going to make more money than that person. 
but that person may just have a bigger heart than you because they're willing to do a job that isn't going to ever be financially rewarding. Um, it'll be nice. It's, it has a nice pension, but it'll never be financially rewarding. So Tesla's thinking about getting into the music industry and doing a music service. It makes a little bit of sense. Their customers are pretty high-end, and if they would sell you know, a streaming service for the lifetime of the car, it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, the world's first ATM machine turns 50 years old. Happy birthday, ATM machine. Five decades since it heralded a transformation. Five decades. It's funny to think. I remember the f- I remember the first time I used an ATM. I'm like, whoa, that thing just kicked out money. And whoa, it, that's my balance. Um, but 1967, uh, Barclays Bank in Enfield, North London. Um, first cash machine, first ATM machine. Let's see, I call it a cash machine. That's stupid, right? Um, other stories out there of note: Silicon Valley is starting to get a little bit tense about Donald Trump and his immigration crackdown. Immigrants founded 51% of the current crop of billion-dollar U.S. startups. Um, immigrants founded 51% of the current crop of billion-dollar startups. And that's a lot of money, and that's a lot of jobs. A startup visa could create 1 million to 3.2 million new jobs over 10 years. Uh, Silicon Valley increasingly has tough competition from cities like India, China, and France, where they're just more welcome to entrepreneurs. So the Supreme Court siding with Donald Trump's immigration travel ban, uh, a large portion of it go into effect for travelers, reversing the action of lower federal courts that you know put controversial policy of immigration reform um, on hold. So 20-somethings spend a lot more money uh, than the rest of Americans on eating out, a lot more money. And it's a shame because I think as you get older, you're kind of like, uh, I can make a burrito at home, kind of thing. And most people just don't. Uh, we t- throw a lot of money into unnecessary purchases. Eating out, ordering takeout, needless groceries, online shopping, alcohol. Average American wastes about $140 a month on things that we don't necessarily need. That amounts to $1,680 wasted a year. It equals a jaw-dropping $100,800 when projected over a 60-year lifetime. Um... Again, I don't want you to have no fun. I just want you to fund retirement first. Um, People between the age of 21 and 26 are the most likely to belly up to a bar. 51% of them typically go to a bar at least once a week, followed by 42% of all millennials, and 24% of Generation Xers, and 19% of baby boomers. Um, It's worthy of note. So, we choose to be poor at times. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. Planning for retirement can be complicated. There's lots to consider. But by narrowing your focus to a few key issues, you can maximize your retirement income and give yourself a much better chance of enjoying a comfortable retirement. I'm Rob Black, and on July 13th, I'll be in Burlingame for a special lunchtime event with CFP Chad Burton and attorney Michelle Lerman. We'll be discussing retirement income strategies and estate planning updates that you can use to get the most of your retirement nest egg. We'll cover passive versus active portfolio management, transitioning your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, measuring risk, estate planning tips for 2017, and more. 
That's Thursday, July 13th at the Doubletree in Burlingame. The event runs from 11 to 1 and includes lunch. And if you can stick around, we've also got a breakout bonus session where we'll give some retirement tips for the self-employed. Go to robblackshow.com for the details and to register. Cost is $25 and we'll waive that fee for KDOW listeners. Just use promo code RADIO25 when you register at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com, promo code RADIO25. Hope to see you there.